Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Happy 200th. The big 200. Here I we are. I too many O's then. 200. Nice to the right amount. <laughs> start again. <laughs> I was saying to me before we started that you're worried about your short-term memory. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, yeah, here we are. Episode 200. This milestone, this landmark occasion. Yep. It's too many, really. We know that. Too many. Not enough. <laughs> Do you think because of course, like famously, um, the Beatles only released twelve albums when they were together. There, there were only ever um, uh, twelve episodes of Faulty Towers. Oh. I think there were fourteen episodes of The Office. Um, J.D. Salinger, uh, Marcel Proust. These these were prolific writers. Sylvia Plath, but they they only each released one actual novel. I feel embarrassed by 200 now, like we got carried away with ourselves. Oh. Yeah. Edvard Munch only ever did one painting. Just one? Mm-hmm. That's not true. It is. Is it? Yeah. The screen? Yeah. So think of another one. <laughs> you can't, can you? Right. You must have just done one. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So um, I, d- I do worry. I do worry that, uh, you know, a, bic- a bicentennial, is, is it's almost too much, isn't mm. it? Remember Australia having a bicentennial. Felt ancient, didn't it? Yes. Now, admittedly, that was 200 years, not 200 episodes, but let's not split hairs here. But but thank you. Thank you for being with us uh, for as many of those as you have. And so many great memories. Unlucky. Yep. The live show in Hebden Bridge. That really was such a high point for me. I loved it so much and I loved the fact that it was on a weekend. It was this beautiful sunny weekend. And then as we were going out about our business, we'd see drifters in the street the next day. We sort of took over the village, it felt like, a little bit. We had Lynn Barron with us. We did, yeah. yeah. amazing trio. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was so wonderful and what what a great night. And yet... um, we haven't thought about doing another one, have we? Well, COVID hit, didn't it? Of course it did. Yeah. Of course it did. Um, I'm trying to think what other high high spots there were. Enjoy the secret waiter. That was a good, secret was a good waiter, time. Secret yeah. waiter, yeah. Uh, that, that time you told a story about having to defecate in the street. <laughs> it was a real uh, high point for, for me. But um, I, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, thank you again 
for for listening to Adrift. I think that even if I won the Euro Millions, this this is the one thing that I currently do that maybe I would still do. That's a lovely thing to say. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I'd do this on my super yacht. <laughs> as long as you're I'd in a super I'd send a helicopter yacht. for you. Gold headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, you know, it would probably be pivot pivoted more to the super rich. <laughs> Socially awkward super rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oligarch stories of uh, their uncomfortable interactions. They probably want uh, something like this and no one's given it to them. Well, well we're here. Yeah, we're here. If you want to invest. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, still love um, hearing all the stories from drifters. I still love trying, sometimes failing, but always trying to to help with the quandaries. I still love all Annabelle's bits. I could live without my my bits, really. I could take or leave them. Well, we couldn't. Well, I don't know about that. I I, I worry that I've become um, Chevy Chase. What do you mean? So Chevy Chase, I think the received wisdom about him is that he was really good and funny and then just he sort of stopped being funny overnight. Overnight? Well, I don't know if it was overnight. Right, it seemed that way. Right, and then he carried on and on and... Two hundred places later. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't really closely followed his career since the uh, since the Halcyon days of National Lampoon's mm. European vacation and Christmas vacation, mm. normal vacation. Which I don't think it was called the normal vacation when they went to was. one. Anyway, mm. but I do, I, do, I do worry about that a little bit. And then I was googling him before. Joe's name isn't Chevy Chase. It's not. What is it? Cornelius. Cornelius Chase. Mm-hmm. Cornelius. Yeah. And and uh, here's another thing about him. His uh, his his mum was an adopted daughter of the Vanderbilts. Wow, so really? So he's, he's from, uh, from from high society. Wow. Um, and I think that something that occurred to me about him recently was, remember he was in The Three Amigos mm-hmm. with Steve Martin yeah. and Martin Shaw. Right. Now those two are always doing stuff together. They tour together. They've been in films together. They have a new series together. Which I haven't seen, but I imagine it might be the sort of thing you could get into. Do you know about it? No. It's Martin Short, Steve Martin, and um, Selena Gomez. They are three people who live in an apartment building, mm. and they are obsessed with true crime podcasts. Oh. And a murder happens in their building, and they decide to both uh, simultaneously start a podcast and solve the murder. Oh, that sounds amazing. Doesn't it sound great? But anyway, the, the point is, there were three amigos. They're clearly two very good amigos, oh. but not Chevy. He's he's not in that show with. They've, they've ditched him for Selena Gomez. What happened there? Do you think? Well, we know what happened. He went unfunny. He stopped overnight. being funny <laughs> overnight. Oh. Yeah, he lost his funny mojo. Um, so 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 anyway, I've, I've got quite sidetracked there, haven't mm. we? But we're two hundred episodes in, and we really appreciate you uh, being there. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters. I have a little idea of something we might do, uh, which I'll tell you about later because we need to get back on it with that. And it seemed like the 200th episode was a, a good time to restart mm-hmm. post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, just one quick little driftery thing from me uh, before we, we get into your contributions. When's your bin day? It is Tuesdays. Ours is Monday. Okay. Sometimes the the bin men, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm supposed to still call them the bin men. Refuse collectors. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I know that I'm wrong mm. and I know that I should pivot to using the right 
language. But I'll miss saying it. I said refuse collectors like that's what I say and don't go bin men. So <laughs> I still say bin men. And I don't, you know, I, I, when I say it, I don't mean it in any kind of derogatory no, way. Like, it's just... Yeah, you know, there, there is. I, I get it. It's not a very nice phrase, bin man, like mm. the some kind of subspecies. Yeah, living like stick of the dump. I don't mean it like that. I'd like to speak to a, a refuse collector and ask them what they think because I don't want to speak for them. Maybe they don't care. Well, I don't know. I mean, that is an interesting thing, but they they surely should be able to. Let's uh, see the secret bin man soon. Oh, I'd love that. Let's so do that. Much. I'd love that. Well, let me t- tell you something. So, so I am. Um, I have noticed that they sometimes, and I can't quite work out why, don't take our bin bags. Yep. So I see everybody else's bin bags. Yep. Are out on the street, mm. and they've left ours in the bins, and that makes me think. What am I doing wrong with my bins mm-hmm. that the neighbours aren't doing? So then, very late on on a Sunday night, because ours is a Monday morning, our bin day, I'll skulk around looking at the neighbours' bins. See what they Not doing. rummaging. Yeah. Try, and, try and see what they've done. Yeah. But it still seems to have no bearing on whether the refuse collectors take the bins or not. It's like it's like you could be talking about me. This has happened to me so right. much. And I don't know why I've been singled out. No. So... The thing is, I don't know how to have that conversation with them yeah. be- without sounding aggressive. Do you want to know what I did? What? Email the council. And what did you say? We, they, I can go on the website and report it. In fact, I don't have to speak to well, I don't want to get them in trouble. Oh, I did. <laughs> I want to know what I'm doing wrong so that I can correct my behaviour. Right, right. Unless it is a personal vendetta against me, which of course I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think they've taken against me and my family for some reason. There's something about our house they don't like the look out of. But if it is just that I'm positioning my bin slightly wrongly, mm. then I'm, I'm happy to rectify that. But I wouldn't want to raise it with the council just in case they got in trouble. Right, and they hated you even more. Yes. Which is probably what happened to me. Yes. That's why I might never get yes. picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is my next door neighbour... Mm in the university holidays for I think several years used to do that. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe he could talk to us. Yeah. Although I think we want somebody who's still got skin in the game, don't we? Mm. It could have changed a lot in the uh, in the 20 years or whatever it's been. Oh right, yeah, we need some more recent than that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there could be the major recycling is a major oh, factor in all this. Massive. I'd love to know if you do that job who the awful people are. Mm. And is it possible that we are being singled out? Is it annoying? Maybe they've heard me saying the phrase bin man. <laughs> Maybe this is what it is. Me too. <laughs> I want to know if it's annoying if mid while they're doing it, I come out of the house with a bin bag and try and put it like in the back of the lorry. Is that annoying to them? Because I've missed I've missed it, but I want to bring it oh, out Oh, so you're, you're chasing the dust cart down yeah, the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. I love saying dust cart. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bin lorry. Is there, is there a dolly on yeah. it? Yeah. You're chasing it down the street and you're trying to hurl it in. Yeah, or even just pass it to them. He's like, is that annoying? Probably. I'm, I've answered my own question, I feel. But... It sounds like it would be annoying, but yeah. why should it? Yeah, why? I just want to get this last, like, last one. Because they've got off. a system that they're working to. <sighs> it's difficult, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, um... So yeah, I don't know how to have that conversation with the with the refuse collectors without it sounding like I'm criticising them. Mm. When in actual fact, I just want to know what I've done wrong so that I can be pleased. Because all I am is needy. I just want them to like me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be singled out as one of the bad ones. Well, if you're if you're a refuge collector, get in touch if you want to be the. They same. heard you nearly say Ben Man. I know. Annabelle. We all do. 
If you want to be the secret bin man or woman, mm. then let us know. Can I um can I just before we go any further, just tell them tell them something that happened just yeah. before we started recording. Yeah. Annabelle was uh talking about what she'd done over the last couple of weekends and, and that you were supposed to be going out this weekend, <laughs> but you might not. Yeah, yeah. And in your <laughs> For the, this is an evening out, a night out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in, the, in the list of reasons she gave me why she thought she might cancel was it's dark, which sort of goes with the territory of being out in an evening. One would have thought, no, but it made me feel more oh, tired. I can't go out, and I can't go out at night time. It's dark. It made me feel tired. You know, you're not a pensioner. It did feel that way. I thought, oh, it's dark now. I'm too tired now. Now the sun's gone down. I've got no energy left. All right then, let's uh, let's be having some stories from drifters. Drifters. From Tess, first of all. I'm probably not driftery in some ways. I'm extroverted, love meeting new people, etc. Oh, I had a question on this, just before, I don't mean to butt in, yes, Tess, right. but um, I was saying to Sarah the other day, do you think it is possible to be an extrovert and socially awkward? So if we, if we go for the definition of an extrovert as somebody who is energized mm. by being around other people's company no, that's, that's not to say that what, that's what they always want but they're energized by it and an introvert is somebody who is drained by it that's not to say they don't like other people's company but they just need time to recharge yeah is it possible to be an extrovert and you get your energy from being around people but you're not very good at it and you're you're aware that you're not very good ah. at it. And and you have that thing that we have as drifters in the moment where you're son- constantly looking at yourself from another angle mm. and thinking about how, and, and evaluating how the conversation is going. I'm really interested to know if there are extroverted, socially awkward people or if it... Uh, if it, if it is the um, mm. preserve of the introvert. I would say that, yes, up to the point where you start worrying about it, everything up to that point of being socially awkward, aware you're being socially awkward, but just not caring. Oh, so you think they would be aware? Because that's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I may, think maybe, yeah. No, and even know that you're a bit awkward, just you just don't care. I don't know. Yeah. But awkward's a negative feeling. But you'd start. Anyway, we're getting too deep into that. But yeah, uh, yeah. let's move on. Yeah. So she says, more, um, however, my, sometimes my lack of filter in social situations has led to some very embarrassing moments, like when I asked the groom's mother at his wedding how she knew the groom. One afternoon, I was walking in a park with an old friend. For the purpose of this story, it's helpful to know there's a splash park for kids as part of this park. We were walking a small distance behind a couple. The lady was in a wheelchair with the man walking alongside her. I saw something on the ground and thinking the couple had dropped it, I sped up to catch up with them. Unfortunately, I did not check what it was first. Not quite sure how I didn't notice, but I was very keen to help. So somehow the actual identity of the object passed me by. I arrived at the couple's side and proffered the object with a, with a cheery, I think you must have dropped this. I was met with a look of confusion and, well, to be honest, disgust. And I realised that it was a pair of bikini bottoms and a children's (laughs) pair of that, which must have been from girls at the Splash Park. Apart from me feeling horrified, I blanked out the rest of the interaction that followed and my attempt to explain my mistake. However, my friend couldn't stop laughing for the rest of the afternoon. That's great. Yeah. Oh, weird associations. We've got some more of these. <laughs> yeah, okay. And he says, probably about 25 years ago, I used to read a weekly children's newspaper supplement, which on one occasion featured an interview with the twin stars of the Sweet Valley High TV series. 
They both they asked both sisters the same set of questions to see if their answers would be similar or different. And one question was about whether they squeezed the toothpaste tube at the top or bottom end. I clearly recall that the second Tim replied, I just grab it in the middle. Though I don't know why my brain felt this was important information to retain for the rest of my life when I can barely remember anything I learnt at school. Anyway, I still think of those twins every time my toothpaste is running low and I'm squeezing the last bits from the bottom of the tube. so weird. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love that. And this is from Andrew J. Coleman. He says, I would never normally write in and tell anybody about this. But after listening to episode 198 and things that pop into your head, I feel I'm not alone anymore. So I'd like to share. For at least 15 years now, whenever I hear an American on TV say the word duty, I shout out doody. As usually the American accent always makes the word duty sound like doody. I think it came from watching an episode of Friends where Chandler mentions in a job interview, the interviewer said doody when he actually said duty. I thought this was hilarious and it stayed locked away in the back of my noggin. But it's got to the point where it has become involuntary. To make things worse, whenever I hear someone talking and then use a similar sentence to, well, if you do do that, then we will have to let them know, for example, then I blurt out the words, do do. <laughs> My wife finds this really amusing and is always waiting with anticipation for me to say it, even though most of the time I'm trying to hold it in, although it always seems to find a way out. I guess it's some kind of tick and it wouldn't be so bad if I could just think it and not speak the words. Some of the glances I get from some people as if to say, did I hear that right? Did he just say duty? <laughs> I should add that I'm a 50-year-old HGV tanker driver and this is the most immature thing ever. <laughs> and this is from Sarah. She says, whenever I have a social interaction that I think went well... I think back to this story that I'm about to tell you and I'm instantly reminded of how socially inept I am. I live in northern Canada in the province of Saskatchewan. Three years ago, Uber finally opened here in the middle of winter and my husband and I decided to try it out for the first time and take one to dinner. It was minus 52 degrees outside and so getting into a warm car instead of waiting for our own to warm up was a nice change. My desperate need for strangers to like me overtook my fear of small talk and I asked our driver where he was from as he had a lovely accent. He replied that he came to Canada as a refugee from Afghanistan, his family having fled the war some years ago. I replied with what can only be described as the world's worst response. I still want to crawl into a hole and die when I think about the words that came out of my mouth. I said, oh, I bet you wish you were back there with weather like this. Oh, no. What? Was I thinking <laughs> that he'd rather be facing death than driving me to dinner? Was I picturing Afghanistan, Afghanistan as some sort of tropical paradise? What had possessed uh-huh. me to utter those words? My husband, not on the address spectrum, looked at me like he was mentally drawing up divorce papers. <laughs> the driver did not let me off easily and gave me a thorough talking to about how when he was growing up, the ink in their pens froze at school because there was no heat at the school. He looked at me in the rearview mirror and said, you cannot complain. You sleep in a warm bed in a warm house oh without fear. Oh I God. have never been more ashamed in my entire life. Even the weather is not a safe topic for me. (laughs) It has taken me three years to work up the courage to even write to you and relay this horrific interaction. In any Uber I've taken since, I have not once said anything other than good evening and thank you. (laughs) So bad. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Mortifying, but I think like 
We've all been there or thereabouts yes. at various times yes. is, is all I can give you on that one, Sarah. Well, thank you for those. And as ever, if you have a contribution for the podcast, be it uh, the weird associations that are stuck in your head every time you do something and the little rituals that you have or your stories of small talk gone wrong, always good. It is hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> Annabelle. Yes. Shall we have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? Let's. So it was my son's birthday recently. I remember this year. You did. Lovely present. Thank you very much. And he'd been mentioning for ages that he wanted a party, which I agreed to, thinking something very simple and small at home with pass the parcel and a jelly. But then the two preceding weekends were filled with his two other friends' fourth birthday parties, both his neighbours. The first one was a garden party. It had a bouncy castle, massive success. Everyone loved it. The second one was a bowling party. Nobody broke a toe despite around 83 (laughs) heavy balls being dropped. Once again, big success. So I'm feeling under pressure now. And like my previous plan that was centred solely around pass the parcel was not enough. So what I did was I bought a big tank of helium and loads of balloons. And I'm like, what's not to like there? Like, yeah. kids love helium balloons. I got some animal head ones. I got some plain ones. And I got these walking ones. I don't know if you've seen them, but it's like animals and dinosaurs. And they're filled with helium, but they've got like feet, paper feet on them. So they kind of walk around on the ground. I've they don't, seen those. They're amazing. Anyway, so Rudy's really excited about this. And oh, sorry. I forgot to right, say okay. So sorry, Rudy was excited. Yeah. The pass the parcel, I have to say, was a bit weird because Tom said he wanted to organise that. Now, pass the parcel, What when you're thinking about organising this, what are you thinking of using to wrap each layer of present? Newspaper? Newspaper or wrapping paper. Mm. Right. So we, we, we'd had a lot of deliveries for Rudy's birthday and Tom decided to do each, each layer as an Amazon box, starting huge. And getting smaller. It's nice to know that you're saving your Amazon. <laughs> well, because we hadn't like got around to crushing them right. yet. So there's a small circle of four-year-olds trying to pass this massive Amazon <laughs> box around. Like they're all working in the warehouse. And they couldn't open it on their own. It was very weird. Anyway, that went well. The helium balloons went well. We only lost three balloons to the sky. The ladybird, unicorn and a pig head. But I think like it's nice for people to see them floating above them. And I'm trying not to think of any potential environmental impact. <laughs> But because we only lost three and I'd done loads, we had a lot of helium balloons in the flat. And then Rudy ripped off the feet of all the walking ones. So now they're all on the ceiling as well. And then the first one to start to deflate was the horse, which started <laughs> hanging around at kind of face level around the flat, which like in itself was, <laughs> was a bit weird. And then I started to feel sorry for it because it was always floating head downwards. And I've got a bit of a fear about this, about being stuck at the top of a theme park ride upside down, which is an irrational fear because I don't go on theme park rides. <laughs> but I kept thinking about all the blood rushing to his little equine head. So I started trying to turn him the right way up whenever I walked past him, which is insane in itself. And it didn't work because he just always bobbed back upside down again. So I started holding him for a bit the right way up to, <laughs> to at least give him a bit of a break. <laughs> I soon realised... Was ridiculous. So I stopped doing it. And then I was at the table having dinner one evening. I want you to imagine I want you to imagine now a real horse trying to get your attention. What would it do? It, it would would whinny, it'd nod its head. Would it maybe nudge you with its nose? It would nudge me with its nose, right. yeah, yeah. No word of a lie. 
the helium horse started to do it to me. He bobbed towards me and started nudging at my shoulder. So I found myself eating my dinner with one hand while using the other to hold the helium balloon horse upright, like kind of like a baby (laughs) for all of dinner. And when I finished it, I thought, enough is enough. I've got to let it go. And I tried to forget that it ever happened. And I thought no more of it until it was time to go to bed. And when I went into my bedroom, Helium Horse had made its way from the living room down the hallway into the bedroom and was hovering about my bed, like hovering over it. And I'm kind of horrified because maybe it just wanted to be cuddled all night. But what if, much worse, it had fallen in love with me and wanted some adult fun times? (laughs) it with a helium balloon especially not a horse one pig maybe so I did the only thing I could I got a gun and shot it not not really not really I just gently carried it back to the living room and said not tonight darling still around enough helium's gone now that it just bobs on the floor but it's lying down now so it's not upside down so I guess it just lives with us now bits of business to get through episode 200 now is a good time uh for us to be able to do some stuff for patreon supporters Mm. again we're back doing the podcast face to face after doing it on zoom for a long time we can move around in the world um in a way that we weren't able to you know in in over the past 18 months so I thought it's about time we did another video Mm. following the great success of your tour of snaresbrook Right. Now, I'm not expecting Tom to do this pro bono. Right. Nor nor am I offering to pay him. I mean, we can do it ourselves. Okay. And I've got two ideas. Mm-hmm. Feel free to add a, a third or a fourth, but um, th- this is what I've whittled it down for, to. Okay. And I thought we would let our Patreon supporters decide which, which they would rather say. Oh, okay. Okay. The first one mm-hmm. is some kind of come dine with me thing yes. where we each have the other one over to our house and cook them a meal and the other has to uh to rate and review it and, and maybe there's some form of entertaining that you have to do as yes. well yes okay. okay okay yeah the second one mm. is like a mr and mrs thing where we have to answer questions about the other one whilst they're not present mm-hmm and then see whether our answers mm-hmm. tally up with their answers. Great, okay. So, for example, if somebody said to me, uh, what is Annabelle's favourite fruit? And I said tomato, mm. then we'd have to check that you'd answered the same thing to to that question. Okay. As I say this out loud, I think people are definitely going to go with the come dine with me one. I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. I think the production values would be better on the Mr and Mrs one is all I'm saying. Right. And, you know, unless Tom did it pro bono, which I'm not expecting him to. Wow. Um, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So, so those are the two things. What would you rather see? Mm. Is my question to you. 
if you are a Patreon supporter, message us, let us know, and that's what we'll. That's the first thing we'll do for you in the uh, in the new era. Will my kitchen be filmed? Because I'll have to start cleaning it now. <laughs> I have a video on my phone mm. of you switching on your new fridge. Fridge, yes, for the first time. Yeah, yes. it's weird that I haven't deleted that. <laughs> You. I can't rarely time. delete anything from anywhere, but um, especially cameras and. Th- I, I videoed it for Tom because he wasn't there to no. see your new fridge being switched yeah. on. Because I, I think, to, like for some context, I had to wait six hours, didn't I? After they delivered it, for some reason, I had to let the There's gas a cooling settle. off period. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so we did this countdown to when I could switch it on. And I was very yes. excited. Yes. I hadn't had a fridge for a week. Maybe we could release that video too. Yeah, I think that I have less. less so, like the support. gold tier of Patreon oh, supporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's see see which they prefer. I think in America they call Mr. and Mrs. something different, maybe the newlyweds game or something like that. Okay. Just in case uh, you're listening in a country other than the UK and it was called something different where you were, mm. it might be that. If it's in a non-English language, I don't, I don't have uh, the linguistic abilities all the time to have made a list. But that's that's the general idea. It's, it's seeing if we know each other as, as well as we think we do. Mm. Or... Is it a come dine with me style spectacular, which involves uh, us hosting each other, mm-hmm. preparing meals, and laying on uh, a wonderful evening of hospitality? Mm. Let us know, and uh, and and please do find us on Patreon. Uh, if you don't already support us on there, we um, we'd love you too. If, if you're able to, it, it helps. Uh, keep the podcast going, and we greatly appreciate the people who who do. Everybody gets a title. Uh, bestowed upon them by Annabelle. So if you haven't heard us mention Patreon before, uh, that's uh, that's what that is. Okay. Thing number two, very quickly, there'll be no podcast next week. I am working in Oxford. I'm doing a breakfast show on some radio stations, the Jack radio stations, which are available across the UK. They're national stations, Union Jack. There's three of those. And then there's three local ones in Oxford. It was on all the radio stations at the same time. Mm. I was saying to Annabelle earlier, I've never done one of those before, where you're playing, say, Careless Whisper on one station and I'm a Twisted Firestarter on the other. Mm. I don't understand how to do it. So if you want to see a man flailing at that very thing, hear a man flailing at that very thing, I'll be doing that on the radio next week, Monday to Friday, 7 till 9 a.m., which means there'll be no podcast next week. Okay. Let me tell you something that happened to me at the weekend. Okay. I was on the tube with my son. Something my son does not enjoy is the sound that an underground train makes in the tunnel as it's, I don't know if it's just playing its brakes or whatever, but mm. that horrible screeching yeah, sound. It's horrible, yeah. And to the extent that it was putting him off going on the tube. Okay. Which isn't great when you live in London. Mm. I hit upon the idea of giving him my noise-cancelling headphones uh, okay. and letting him listen to his playlist. He's got a Spotify playlist while he's on the tube, which he now loves. The problem is, is that he sings along with his playlist, so I'm constantly miming. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem for me, and it wouldn't be for a problem for me if I heard another kid like, oh, singing I Smells Like love Teen that. Spirit tunelessly, just sort of random words. But I, I, I can see how it would be annoyance for some people. Anyway... So we're doing this last week. We're on an underground train and we're on one of the ones where it's it's two seats facing one way and then two seats uh, facing the other. Like in a conventional train, you sort of opposite somebody else. Mm-hmm. And Jean was sat next to somebody else. 
Gene is listening to his playlist. He's got his headphones on and he's rocking his head and he's kind of bopping along with his music. The guy he is sitting next to is also wearing headphones. So there's like this friendly look between the the three of us and they kind of smile at each other and do a bit of, you know, he the, the guy gives a rock and roll sign and Gene does it oh, back and it's all very nice. nice. So I'm happy. Mm. I've had a warm interaction without actually having to speak because the guy's wearing headphones. I'm not having to worry about uh, keeping my son entertained because he's listening to music. Mm. And I'm just sitting, enjoying the ride, literally enjoying the ride. Then the guy opposite gets his phone and I can instantly tell what he's doing. He's positioning it to take a selfie of himself and Gene, both wearing headphones and rocking out to music. Okay. And then I feel like I'm in a really difficult position because I'm not entirely comfortable. Not because I think there's anything sinister in it. I just Mm. think as a matter of principle, I think it's a bit weird to take a a photo of somebody else's child. Mm -mm. But because there's been this nice interaction between the two of them and and Gene is clearly happy, am I going to say anything? Of course not. No, I'm not. (laughs) No, no. So the guy then gets his phone, puts it right in front of the two of them. They do like like a peace sign to the camera. He takes the picture. He does another one. I hope it was because he wasn't satisfied with the way he looked rather than no. something about Gene. But, uh, yeah, that as may be. And and I'm thinking, I can't say anything, but I'm not entirely comfortable with this. But I don't want to show any disapproval on my face mm. because I just want him to like me. Mm. Then he turns the picture around, shows it to me. And even though I'm a bit weirded out that a stranger's just taking a picture of my child, I give him a big thumbs up. Oh. What's wrong with me? <laughs> What else can you do? I don't know. I, I mean, it, it feels a bit weird, but it feels like I should have been able to do something else. I just, I'm just too spineless and weak and awkward oh. of a person to be able to do so. I don't know. Or maybe, do you think it's just fine? I don't. I don't know because I because it is just fine, but it also I would feel weird about it. Because then the guy said, "Okay, us guy, as as the train came to the station, he said, okay, us two are just going to hang out for a bit. I'll drop him back here at three. <laughs> and you were like, uh, we're just going to go off and get tattoos. <laughs> and I didn't want him to feel awkward. So I went, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We'll be here. <laughs> um, so that's that. Do you remember me telling you there was, there was quite an uncomfortable man who came to fix our oven the other week? Oh, yeah. And my, my small talk was very bad with him, but he also was one of those people. He had to come back on Friday and he did it. I, t- I tried to convey last time around and I didn't do a very good job of it a certain type of personality with with whom it's excruciating to try and make that small talk and I don't think I good, did a good job of it but I think I've got the exact thing from this time oh yeah so as it happened, when he was here on Friday, I was really busy. I was having to run upstairs, record stuff for the other podcast, do interviews and do Zoom calls. And um, I explained to him, I said, I'm just on, on a work call at the moment. I'll leave you to it. And then I'll come down And um, when you're all done. So when he's all done, I come down. And I have got the air of a man who's in a rush about me. Mm-hmm. He does not. He has a very slow, deliberate, I'm going to take my time and you're going to march to the beat of my drum here. Mm-hmm. So he explains in great detail what he's done to the oven. Don't understand a word of it, but I thought I've got to let him get it out of his system. Mm -hmm. I then pay him a painful amount of money. Oh, really? 
I was trying to think, like, what are the things that you've had to spend a lot of money on that there is absolutely no joy in at all? Oh, God. And replacement elements for an oven, I think, are pretty high on that list. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my whole life is paying yeah. for things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then say, that's great. I've got to go back. I've got to dash back upstairs. But uh, thank you very much. Um, and uh, hopefully that's that. He says, yeah, well, you probably won't see me again anyway. Okay. Do you not think that is indicative? of an exhausting personality type, somebody who makes a statement that you can't ignore no. <laughs> because it, it it's rude to not ask the follow-up question. Uh, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, really? He said, yep. Probably won't be doing this job very much longer. And I just need to go and carry on with my work. I've got somebody waiting on a Zoom. But, of course, I can't. I can't then not say anything. I can't then go, oh, well, good luck in the future and go because he's making these statements that passive aggressively beg for a follow-up question. Mm, mm. So then I have to say, uh, oh, are you uh, you retiring then? Went, nope. Going, uh, yeah, I'll be having an operation. Oh, right. And then you have to say, like, oh, what God. operation? Oh, God. I can't just leave it there. No, no. Oh. that person, that exact mm. personality type. And it reminded me of when Annabelle and I used to do a breakfast show years ago and when we do the, used to do the late night show because it was out of hours. Work would pay for taxis to, to come and pick us up. Um, minicabs, as they call them in London. And... There was one particular guy who I'm sure, as I was describing this guy, is exactly the one you're thinking mm-hmm. of, who his entire personality <laughs> was based around <laughs> dropping these things in. You wouldn't want to talk. It'd be five in the morning or four in the morning, whenever you were getting up and you just didn't want to talk. And he would drop these conversational bombs that begged for a follow-up. The effort to bother to say Oh, where are you going? Like the, <laughs> yeah, the effort, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't, yeah. It's four in the morning. I don't care. Yeah. Like, but I know I've got to say it, so I'm going to force yeah. myself. Oh, God. And he never looked. He never. He... So he would always say, well, this is probably the last you'll see of me. <laughs> and uh... yeah, you couldn't then go, oh, well, it's been nice knowing you. Best of luck for the future. No. You're like, why is that then? Like, I've had enough with this job. I'm going back to roofing. <laughs> Or something about his back. Don't. It's such an annoying trait. Say what you want to say. Ask people some questions, but don't force people into making excruciating small talk that they don't want to make with you by leaving by by painting them into a conversational corner. He once tried to get me to sponsor him for a, this dartathon thing that he was doing in the pub, <laughs> and it was like it was like six hours playing darts. I just thought, no, that is called going to the pub. I'm not sponsoring you to go to the pub. I said no. <laughs> I, th- I think I've told this story before, um, but in the very early days of text messages, text messages being a thing. To the extent that I think the BBC did a show called The Joy of Text, yes, where they devoted yes. a whole BBC Saturday night, BBC One schedule to texting and how much fun it is and what you could ill-advised. But anyway, do you remember there was a trend, and I'm sure it still exists on WhatsApp, of people just sending around jokes? Mm-hmm. So because this guy had my phone number, because when, when he arrived to pick me up in the morning, he'd, mm. he'd ring to say I'm outside. He he then added me onto his list of people to send his jokes round to. Right. <laughs> and then I start receiving not only bad jokes, but also like racist jokes. Oh dear. 
okay, oh, I've got to address this. I've got, uh, don't want to, but I have to mm. for the sake of my own integrity. And, mm. and so I text him and say his name. Oh, thanks a lot for, um, for um, uh, uh, trying to share some laughs, but uh, I, um, I, I don't really enjoy racist jokes. Oh, good for you. Good, yeah. And then he sends a text back saying, no worries, I'll leave you off the racist ones. Oh, God. So oh, it's, God. in his head, it's okay. He knows that they're racist jokes. What? It's okay to make racist jokes. And um, he's just been considerate towards me. This is like, astonishing. I know. Wow. I know. Oh, it was quite something. We used to have strange relationships. I mean, talk about the most socially awkward moments of my life. I think some of them were with those drivers. Mm-mm. And some of them would just take against you. Yeah. There was one guy, I think, who disliked me so intensely. <laughs> and I don't know why. I mean, not that I think I'm that likable, but there wasn't enough. There wasn't one inter- incident. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't any anything to really take against me apart from just myself, which maybe is enough reason. I sometimes think it is. But that he would turn very fast death metal music up extremely loud <laughs> at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. And I'm not even convinced that he liked that music. Just did it to annoy yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. And similarly, sometimes he would drive so fast that I would fear for my own life. <laughs> and I don't know that that was just the way that he drove or that he was willing to risk death to scare me right probably yeah do you remember there was one who wouldn't park in front of your house hated me so why did he hate me so i think there was a reason why he hated me but he would um there would be up to 10 free spaces for him to park outside my house and he would park like 150 meters up the road and just sit and just sit and wait there and i'd have to walk i like you know at quarter to four in the morning i'd have to walk up the road like to, to get into the car and then he would drive so slowly round corners. It was, That's what it was I was like, just remembering that it was detail. Like we're barely move, it was like we were barely moving. I said, like, why, why is he, he doing this? He would just this? let the rotation of the earth move you yes, around the corner. Yeah, yeah. And he would like, do really weird things with the windows. He hated me as well. Why did he hate me? I don't know. It would be good to know. I mean, I, d- I guess if you are one of those people, you're probably not also a drifter. But are there passive-aggressive things you do in your job? If there's a customer you really yes, hate, yes, yes. Like, are you, you know, are, are you a taxi driver? Do you ever do these things yeah, out what of the spite things? that yeah. we suggest? Mm. Yeah, I'd like to hear some of those. Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. All right, Annabelle, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Okay, the first one is from Andy. He does he does finish this with saying that this was a few years ago and he can tell us what, what he did do, but he'd like to know oh, what okay. he Oh, okay, he wants should. to know if he did the right thing. Exactly, okay. yeah. My parents are now into their late 60s and live four hours away from me. A few years ago, my father had surgery on one of his legs, leaving him homebound for most of the six weeks while his leg healed. During one of the many visits to see him, I set up access to our Netflix account because he was bored and did not have an online platform. By giving him a profile attached to our account, it would give him something to watch while he recovered from surgery. A few weeks later, my my wife asked me about a random profile on our account. She noticed whomever was using it watched some questionable programming. Questionable meaning adult themed or in my wife's words, porn. 
Knowing I set this profile up for my dad, I know who was watching it. What would you suggest I do? Since this was a few years ago, I can give you what I did. I called my parents, told them our Netflix account was hacked and that we'd had to close it, which we did. And my sister ended up setting a profile for them on her account. So they went to the lens of closing down their Netflix account, which I think would probably have been something we would have suggested. That's so brilliant. Yeah. It would have taken me a while to get there, I yeah, think. Yeah. My, you know, with that, anything which would even risk the, the slightest chance of an acknowledgement between you and your father mm. that he was in any way sexual. <laughs> it would be, I mean, so terrifying. I think I would have initially just said, oh, port protocol, this is a classic port protocol. Yeah, just never mention it. Situation. Yeah. That, that would be my first, my first thing. Don't never I mean, part it. of me is, is wondering uh, how puritanical your wife is because... It's Netflix. Yeah. It's not like, there's a few documentaries in the sex really? industry. Really? <laughs> What, what are you watching on there for titillation? The joy of sex? <laughs> Is it educational documentaries about your techniques? Oh, please. Oh. Techniques. But, oh, this is, this is a horrible <laughs> word. Um, but yeah, I feel like you opened the floodgates earlier by saying uh, if I was going to do it, I wouldn't do it with a, a balloon yeah, true, horse. True, true. I would go with a pig. But anyway, yes. Uh, I, yeah, there isn't anything hard, hardcore on Netflix, is there? It's all. But there are a few documentaries, I think. I, I mentioned this because I noticed that Tom saved one to our list and I thought, oh, you've got some funny ideas going on. I'm not going to be watching that. I don't know about the the, the, the uh, erotic viewing habits of people, but just like I am constantly surprised there are still adult magazines, mm. it is surprising to me that people would be going to Netflix to find that type of content in mm. this day and age. Mm -hmm. It seems rather – or things like – that things like the Babe Station still exist. Does it? I believe so. I mean, I haven't checked on this, but I believe there are, if you go up high enough in the channels on your TV, you will still find those ones and the 10-minute previews at midnight. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this hasn't existed since 2005. But anything that isn't the... Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Pandora's box clearly isn't the right phrase. But, you know, whatever portal to hell you'd be opening on the internet. I suppose maybe it's just that. People don't want to venture into the wilderness of the internet, so they'd rather uh, seek something out in the safe yeah, space of Netflix, it's maybe. Quite sweet, I think. But I think I was. Soft erotica? Yeah, I'd certainly say pretend that it never happened or close your account if, if, mm. you, if your wife finds it that unsavory. I think a lot of the Red Triangle films are on 4OD. Oh. All, for, all four. How do you know that? I don't. I just wanted to try and... Oh. I thought I've been a bit dull there. I'll try and get a cheap laugh by mentioning <laughs> Red Triangle films, I'll be honest. Like just a lazy retro reference. <laughs> well, to sure lots of people enjoyed that. The Red Triangle films? No, no. Femrock. You're, you're, you're mentioning them now. Femrock. Is that the name of one of them? It's the only one I remember. I don't know if it was the first one they ever showed, but obviously, and I'm you know, not the first person to say this, like by putting it... This was... Um, something Channel 4 did in the 80s, if they were going to show material with adult content, which usually meant like a soft sex film, a soft sex scene within a foreign film, that's a foreign language film, they had a, a red triangle in the corner of the screen so that if you were uh, offended by that kind of thing, you would know to turn off. But it was like a beacon for teenage boys who didn't have access to the kind of thing that teenage teenagers have access to these days mm, mm. so Themrock is the one that springs to mind but well, that, I don't know if it was the, I don't know if it was the first one that would be nice someone would be like I remember that would be nice them to hear I have wondered 
Oh god, this is really drifty, but I'll, I'll I'll go with the thought anyway. If maybe a pornographer, there would be a, a, a business model in uh, um, doing like nostalgic erotica. Like the erotica we knew and loved in the past. You know, you get that channel, um, what's it called? What's that channel called which just shows old films and they're really good old films? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's not that way. It might be called Talking Pictures. There's a really, really good one that just some fella owns and has bought the rights to, oh, to okay. show these films and it's really good. But it, I, I, I then thought, I wonder if like a pornographer could make money um, by having these dated old films that people would get some kind of uh, nostalgic rush Ooh. for the younger, like a Proustian rush. Yes. Marcel Proust getting uh, two mentions on Ooh. today's Ooh. podcast in very different contexts. I'd always said Proust, but um, I hear Proust more these days. Okay, don't don't ask me. I don't know. Anyway, I feel like we've uh, mm. we, we've, we've gone a long way. Uh, off piste here. Yeah, we've gone all the way to nostalgic pornography. But if somebody hears, if, if, if somebody hears that, and the, the little light bulb has gone Ooh. off over your head, and you think, "Yeah, that's what I'm. Get, that's where I'm going to try and make my fortune." Yeah. Remember your old mate Lloydie with his insight that maybe some people would love to see the the blue movie that they watched, you know, when they were sixteen or something. They'd, they'd love to see it again. Yeah. If they make a lot of money from it, yeah, send the check your way. Mm. Could be a passive income. The... <laughs> we all want a passive income. Yeah. Right, Kirsty says, a couple of weeks ago, I joined a new gym, mainly to use the pool, and I've gone there most days since. There are six sun lounges by the side of the pool and hooks on the wall. Today, all the hooks were taken, so I opted to leave my towel on the back of an empty chair, a couple of seats down from a gentleman that I know well enough to say, give a hello nod to. I got in the pool, stretched and began to swim. Halfway down my first length, I turned my head only to see an older gent heading straight to the chair my towel was on. Obviously, he'd see the international sign for occupy seat and be on his way. No. Not only did he sit on the chair, he lay down with his head on my towel. A stranger's head on my towel. It goes without saying, I did nothing about this. I vaguely tried to catch the eye of the man that I know, hoping he'd say something or that anyone would say something. It was a purple towel on a black chair. The gym towels are white. So not only did it stand out against the chair, it was very clearly a personal towel from home. Please help me. What should I have done? It's possible it could happen again. Do I stand up in the pool and shout, speak to the reception? What do I do? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm way out of my depth with this. What, what do you think? Well. I think what any reasonable person will do is nothing. Mm. Get out of the pool. Don't use the towel. Dry yourself off with some paper towels. Take the towel home. Bleach it. Bin it. Burn it. But is there a better option? Well, is is this how often does this situation arise? Is the uh... it sounds like often the hooks are there. I mean, is it was it okay to put it on? A, I'm just saying. Was it okay to put it on the chair? Did he ever write because it was on the chair that it was him to sit Oh, so on? do you think it was a hostile act uh, in response to what he felt was inappropriate behaviour? She could have it was a retaliation. folded it on the floor. I don't know. I'm just no, thinking I don't know. aloud. I don't know. I'm thinking aloud. Not been to a pool for a while. I do think that... 
So you didn't can, have to put you, his head can on you it. Give me the stats again. How many hooks? So, uh, six hooks. And how many sun loungers? Um, I don't know. Let me put my glasses on. I don't think she says, does she? Let's hear mm. six, oh, six sun loungers and hooks. Hmm. I mean, this is this is suggesting suggesting to me that this is a pool made for six. Hmm. But I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe he didn't want to sit. Maybe it was the only chair he could sit on because he didn't want to sit too close to the other man. That would have been weirder. Hmm. But he, may, he shouldn't have put his head on it, should he? Shouldn't have put his head on it. He's in the wrong. Let's face it. He, let, let, let's not beat around the bush. No, he was no, in the no, wrong. no, no, no. He shouldn't have sat down. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. know why I'm, I'm even trying to think that he, he wasn't in the wrong. He was in the wrong. But what do you do? There's nothing you could do. You can't say anything, obviously. You could get out of the pool. I know what I might do, what? depending on my mood. Get out of the pool and then say, excuse me, and get it back off of him and then hopefully he'll feel embarrassed that he was leaning on it. Yeah, I think that's that's the you know that's the uh, that's the thing to do isn't it? Sort of apologetically saying, "Oh, that's actually my towel." Mm, mm. And it is her towel from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't that's the other thing you can't mistake someone that well, I don't know unless you've got the exact same types of towels that you would expect to find at swimming pool. No, hers is purple, the gym ones are white. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I don't um, know. It's a difficult. We haven't really been much help here, but I'd probably do nothing. Or depending on my mood, I might say, "Oh, sorry, can I just?" Get oh, I know towel? what I'd say. I, I know what I'd say. Mm. I'd say um, I'd get out of the pool, mm. and I'd say, "Oh, do you know if you if you ask reception, they do have um, towels here at the at the gym," mm. which hopefully would then. The yeah. subtext would be, that's my towel. It's clearly not a gym towel. Look at it. Or to stop him doing it again, what I might do is get out and very vigorous, vigorously scratch at my pubic area to suggest that I had some kind of, I don't know, crabs or infection, and that would put him off putting his head against someone's towel. Yeah. Mm. Is any part of you consider that he might have been a pervert? Oh, none of me, no. Mm, I mean, oh. that's, that's a possibility, isn't it? Oh, wow. That's his thing. Then I would definitely revert back to the bleach, burn and bury. Yeah. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner or uh, anything else that we discussed earlier, you can email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. You can also find me and Annabelle on social meds. We have a Facebook page. I have to admit, I haven't checked that for a while. You did something on it the other week, though, so I, I guess you're au courant with what goes on on there. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, of course, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you can support us on Patreon and let us know... Uh, which of those two Patreon options is the most appealing to you? Some kind of come dine with me or some kind of Mr. and Mrs. Hello at adriftpodcast.com is the email address. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey, who I salute, not just for our artwork, but for the, uh, the artwork on the Succession podcast, which she's done a fantastic job of. By the way, the Succession, if you're a fan of Succession, uh, you will have heard me mention this, me and Sarah, Sarah and I, somebody corrected my grammar the other day, um, are doing a, a podcast for the duration of this series of Succession, like an after show thing. It's called Fire Crotch and Normcore. And Kim did the artwork for that. She's done a tremendous job. Uh, but the photos for this one, 
adrift this is, we're taken by Carla Gowlett. And um, once again, just wanted to say it's it's uh, it's really something that we've got to episode 200 Ooh. of this. Um, what does that mean? Must, must mean for, well, we're four years in at this point, aren't we? Yes. Yes. Can you believe that? Where has that gone? Wow. Blink of an eye, Annabelle. Um, so it is uh, it is a delight doing this most weeks. You know, when the mental health is fine, it, um, it's a delight. Mm. And even when it isn't, you know, it's good to have a bit of structure, isn't it? Yes. I'm sorry for some of the, you know the dropping quality on those weeks but um, but anyway I, I really love doing this podcast and I, I know Annabelle does too and we really appreciate you listening I just wanted to, you, know, you to know that it is always a joy and never a duty doody 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 <laughs> All right, podication time. And the first one comes from Jennifer Zelinsky. Often when I read what I think of as being like a, a, a Polish name, and I don't know if Zelinsky is, but that, that's how it reads to me, mm. I hear in my head like an angry police chief in an American drama saying, Zelinsky, <laughs> 24 hours and you're off the case. <laughs> it's one of those names. Um. Jennifer says, hello, I've been pondering over this publication for a while and since you put out a plea for some, I thought I'd get in touch. Recently, I re-listened to old episodes and I came upon the episodes just as we went into lockdown. There were a few people that had emailed in at that time with podications for new adventures. The couple I'm thinking about were just about to leave to travel the world. For some reason, this stuck with me throughout the pandemic and I hope they either got somewhere or are replanning in short. I would like a podication for them and everyone else that had plans scuppered in the last 18 months. There I go again. You're crying. I, and it, yeah, just... Oh, I think it's so sweet that she remembered yeah. them. I find that so lovely. I think so. I think just... It says something about Jennifer, mm. which is really lovely. And then if you just think about it really simply, like Jennifer just put it there, it's... um. I know people have been through terrible, terrible, the worst things in this pandemic. And then there's a whole raft and and kind of broken dreams and postponed plans is part of that. Mm. These are things that would be heartbreaking in ordinary circumstances, but perhaps people haven't felt like they can really be that sad about it mm-hmm. publicly or, or, or talk about it because, yeah, because of everything else is that, that's been happening. But, yeah, I thought... Um, that's uh, that was lovely, Jennifer. Thank you, Zelinsky. Yeah. Um, and this from our friend Jack McMorrow. Love Jack. Mm-hmm. Jack wrote. You know, Jack is a super uh, James Bond fan. Yes. He tweeted a link to a blog he'd written reviewing the new film, and it's so good. And his level of expertise is so good. It was quite something reading it because I've been to see that film, really liked it. And then there's all this stuff that I've missed that he's able to point out. He's able to contextualise it with other Bond films and just his, it it was, anyway, it was very impressive. I think it's a real hard trick to pull off to be able to write or talk about something that you are an expert in or just completely immersed in, in a way that is still interesting and engaging to the casual reader. And Jack did a great job of that. 
Jack says, can I podicate this episode to two people I met at the age of 15 on their breakfast show in 2003 and age 20 in 2008, namely Annabelle Port and Jeff Lloyd? That's us. That is us. We were only 15 in 2003. <laughs> God, were you that young, Jack? Uh, Jack says, uh, to make it to 200 episodes is not something everyone can do. Um, ours has, but that's down to a pandemic. And for some reason, people uh, enjoying us complaining about a wrestling show at 1am. Oh, yeah, Jack's super into wrestling mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, so it does make me think. Like, So I think I've got no interest in re- wrestling. But then having read Jack's James Bond thing, I wonder if I was to listen to an episode of his podcast, mm. actually it might be a way in for me. <laughs> Are you looking for a way in? I could become a late-in-life wrestler. could. could become a late-in-life wrestler. Mm. Less likely. What? The librarian. <laughs> okay, now I'm interested. Um, that's well-deserved podication for you two, Jeff and Annabelle. Uh, not you two who sang... Sunday bloody Sunday. Well, Jack, thank you for marking this occasion. As I said, two hundred yes. episodes. We're, we're thrilled to still be here. I don't just mean um, alive. I mean here doing the podcast. And uh, thank you for listening to uh, as many as you have. I know Jack's been with us for the long haul, and maybe Jennifer too. Yeah. But planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you to you, uh, however many of these you've listened to. We greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like a podcast, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Ta-da.